This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I'm really excited. So uh, actually, our, for the first person that we're speaking to today is Mario Gabelli. Welcome to the show, Mario. A legendary name. Yes. Well, uh, he's a legendary investor. He's a stock picker without parallel. And he's so great that Fordham University actually named their business school after him. So he's the guy we want to talk to about the stock market. Mario, I was looking forward to, to talking to you and uh, finding out uh, as the world turns, which way are we going? Uh, I had I had big arguments with my friend Larry Kudlow, who's on our show all the time and uh, and has a show on WABC. Which way is the world turning, Mario? Uh, John, thanks to you and Laura, and thanks for all you've accomplished and all you've done for so many, and uh, a great lineup of individuals that I have had great respect for. John, so I grew up about uh, a few miles west of where you grew up. I grew up in the Bronx. You grew up in Greece. So uh, I grew up on 135th Street, <laughs> right by City College. Yeah, well, you you know, you were in a rich neighborhood. I was on Bathgate Avenue on 175. <laughs> Some of you may not know what that is, but uh, it's like Orchard Street uh, in the Bronx until the uh, Cross Bronx Expressway. But the rest of the world does it. From my point of view, I look at things with a great deal of optimism. I started my firm when the Dow was 1,045 years ago. I started as a, a research person, and I cover autos, farm equipment, conglomerates, movie and entertainment, and a very simple thing. Whatever you drink anywhere in the world, our team covers it. We have offices around the world. And uh, from the point of view of the economy in the United States, look, three years ago, we never thought about infection, and that came from China. Uh, a year ago, we never thought about invasion, and that came from Russia. So the, always there's some uncertainty in the world, and uh, the United States with the free market system, uh, with the rule of law, with all the problems, with meritocracy, with all the challenges, uh, we've been able to overcome that. Uh, the idea is to innovate and come up with new ideas and uh, allow that to happen. So I'm really optimistic, uh, not short term. Short term, the Fed is, uh, John, he's going to try to raise rates. He's got to keep it up. He's going to run off the tri uh, a trillion dollars of uh, uh, debt that he took on for three years ago at the rate of $95 billion a, a, a month. Uh, he's going to try to give reduce aggregate, that is, slow down the economy as best as he can. And so we're dealing with that. So how bad is bad? How long is it going to be bad? How good is good? And what's the a year from now, John? We're looking at 2025, just like I'm looking at 2024, and I'm very optimistic. I, I, uh, I agree with you. Uh, uh, I've been yelling uh, at Jay uh, Powell on uh, the various shows on television and on radio that uh, uh, the problem was uh, – uh, that the price of oil went from 55 to 125, and that's what caused the inflation. And by raising interest rates, he is destroying the real estate market, which is 20% of uh, the market in the United States. Well, from my point of view, uh, one has to adjust. When I started in the world in the 1960s, I bought a, a house for $30,000. I borrowed the money. Uh, and I got a mortgage at 6%, and I thought it was terrific. So, you know, the, the, the other problems are I can only deduct the interest now up to such amount. I can't take state and local income taxes, deductions against my income. So if I'm an individual in places like New York and other places, what do I go to Nashville? Do I go to Austin? Do I go to Miami? 
where should I locate? And that hurts people in the, uh, certain cities like New York. Mario, in the last 24 months, 484,000 taxpayers out of uh, the 20 million uh, uh, people in New York moved out. And if they keep moving out, who's, uh, how are they going to solve, uh, pay, the, pay the bills? Yeah, we, uh, there is an ch- economic challenge of 101. Uh, so from my point of view, uh, look, I'm uh, uh, also worried about, uh, obviously, the notion that you highlighted. In 1972, the Shah of Iran said, hey, you know, we got to ra- – uh, not Iran, I'm sorry. Uh, Yamani uh, said we're raising oil prices from 3 to 10. There were gas lines. We reduced our reserves in case of a challenge from uh, 600 million barrels to 300 million. That's rough numbers, John. And uh, and when we sold some of them to China, I understand. Whatever. The point is that we have no reserves. Uh, secondly, if the price of oil, because there's some concerns about Iranian nuclear capabilities and the price of oil spikes up, uh, we are going to have another ongoing challenge. And so uh, from my point of view, I look to invest in areas that have been underinvested in that need to be accomplished on a short-term basis. And then on a long-term basis, you know, we need gas coming into New York City. We need uh, pipelines of gas uh, to be delivered from the uh, uh, places in Pennsylvania and the places uh, and make uh, individuals uh, uh, while we're transitioning to other fuels. There's so much to go on, uh, whether I – and talk about uh, sports. Uh, The Atlanta Braves is one of my favorite stocks because somebody's going to buy it. And, uh, you know, the guy Moreno for the L.A. Angels just backed out of selling his, and he was going to get a fancy price. You know, the, uh, the speculation about the Washington Nationals, the Washington Commanders, uh, you know, and there's a lot of things you can make money on while we have this world of uncertainty. My son is sitting here. Uh, he's a chief investment officer for our company. And, John Jr., you had a question. Uh, it's a it's an honor to meet you, uh, Mario. And, I look forward to seeing you in person. Yes, absolutely. And um, just kind of stepping back for the general investment landscape uh, post global financial crisis, when the, after the Fed hit the uh, kind of monetary gas pedal, passive investing became all the rage, and, and people looked at active stock picking and, and started to you know put questions out. But it, now it seems that might be changing in this environment. I'm curious what your uh, prospective returns are for the next 10 years is not for, you know, personally investing, but generally is active investing coming back? I, look, uh, my own reaction is the following. I, I uh, started buying stocks when I was 13. I used to hitchhike from the Bronx up to a country club in Westchester County, and the guys that were specialists came up late, and I said, wow. So I started buying stocks at the age of before the broker knew how old I was. And uh, but I hope the statute of limitations has passed. Uh, basically, uh, you know, from my point of view, owning a piece of a company that people come to work and work their uh, fannies off, uh, a good business, a good management at a cheap valuation. So, uh, yeah, I don't have a problem with someone owning in quotes and index fund. I think they'll make 6 to 8%, uh, hopefully, and actively managed uh, guys like us in the world that we live in. Listen, the last six months, people were selling stocks that they didn't want to own because they wanted to take tax losses for reasons, uh, or they wanted to, and that was gone. Like, you take Warner. Warner's located now in Manhattan. Uh, Discovery, uh, Zasloff bought a, a business called Warner Brothers, and I uh, put it together. The stock got hit down to $9.5 because of tax selling. The stock today, three weeks later, is 15 
And so is it an index fund? So you're right. Over the next 10 years, I believe that if you own a passive index fund, uh, think of it another way. I started my firm in 1977. The Dow was 1,000. Today it's 35,000 plus or minus. 45 years from now, it's going to be a million, and it's going to grow less than it has over the last 45 years. So let's not be short-termers. For the next 10 years, I think you make 6 to 8% on the overall equity markets per year compounded. That's great, and and I appreciate it. And and just uh, one more question, if I could. Uh, So what do you think the biggest tail risk and and blind spots are to investors uh, that they're facing this year? Well, I think the notion of investors versus traders is what I call patience. Uh, P, that is, think about your needs as an investor in terms of where and what you're trying to accomplish. But more importantly, if the market drops 2,000 because something happens with Putin uh, that you don't expect, and I don't want to get on this on radio, uh, but basically you want to be able to sell, uh, hold your portfolio and maintain your uh, liquidity and so the notion of buying good businesses at reasonable valuations. So what's going to scare you? It's a geopolitical thing. You know, who's got the hyper I don't want to uh, – but there's some, uh, you know, uh, let's say geopolitical issues that I always uh, concerned about. Well, uh, thank you, uh, Mario. And uh, – uh John, I've got a question. For someone who may not yes. be so sophisticated about the stock market – if you could recommend one stock for someone to buy and hold for the next five years, what would it be? I would think that if you have a grandchild, mm. you have a person that likes baseball, if you like someone that likes football, if you like somebody who likes sports, I would say that if they buy one share of the Atlanta Braves, $35, the symbol is B-A-T-R-A, they're 62 million shares, it's run by... Uh, individuals that I've known for that are very conscious of values and they're good people. Uh, I would think uh, you'll have fun watching the games. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Yankees not available. Unfortunately, the Knicks are. Or fortunately, the Knicks. Are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I listen, Dolan. Uh, you know, I've been in the stock for forty years. I've owned uh, Cablevision. I mean, you know, you have. I, let's not get into that. So, one stock, <laughs> not the way to do it in life. But on the other side, it's going to be fun. Uh, you're going to be able to buy something that, uh, you know, people say buy crypto because it's not going to have that many more. You're not going to have that many more sports teams. Uh, and if you do, the owners of the existing teams get a place. So thank you for the question, Laura. Is that Laura? That's Laura, Laura yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, and, and Mario, I grew up on 135th Street. My father was a busboy. Uh, and the two only two stocks he ever bought in his life in the 1950s. Uh, and he did well, AT&T and Con Ed. Yeah, there's no question that uh, the notion of owning a piece of businesses in a world in which capital can be allocated uh, by management, and they do dumb things, and they do smart things. But on balance, a, a good management does quite well over an extended period of time. You know, if we were sitting here in 1624, we probably would have, uh, some people would have objected to putting up $24 to buy Manhattan. Well, that was a good deal, I think. That's only a 400 years later. Imagine where we'll be in 400 years. Look forward to us. Some place on the uh, Starship uh, Enterprise. Uh, well, you know what? Thank you. I uh, look forward to uh, to uh, thinking about uh, things on a uh, on a positive basis over the next 20 or 30 years. There are a lot of negatives that can go wrong. The press likes to identify those. Clearly, you know the night. We, we like the uh, we know the negatives, and as a value investor and a, a bottoms up, 
We take a microscope and focus on fundamentals of each company we follow and try to visit these managements, and we can sort out the good and the bad. And some of them are very good, and many are very uh, good, and we're buying stocks with a good valuation. So buy one or two stocks, and Laura, buy yourself one share of BATRA, which is the voting stock uh, on the uh, – Yeah. And then okay, you can thanks. follow it, and then you can follow it in the real world, which makes it even more fun. Mario Ed Cox here. You started off talking about the Fed, and a year ago it was really driving the markets, particularly the growth markets. Uh, NASDAQ crashed because of what the Fed was doing, raising interest rates. Where do, whether the Fed uh, in the future and what impact on the stock markets? Well, I think you've got a very good point, and I'm privileged to say hello, uh, but independent of that, what happens is the following. If I promise to pay you a million dollars five years from now and you can make zero on your returns for the next five years, you know, maybe you'll pay me 980000 But if you can make 5% in T-bills, uh, you're going to pay me uh, eight, 750 or 8000 So the notion of rising interest rates to a level that I've been accustomed to, that the world has been accustomed to, if I look at the last 100 years, what is inflation going to be? Can they get it down to 2 or 3%? Uh, are they going to be able to do that? And then what does that do to interest rates? So what it does is has a headwind to valuations in the stock market, and the market is adjusting very quickly and very appropriately. So, And then you had companies that uh, were growing in terms of uh, promises for the future, hopes for the future, but they had negative cash flow. That means they lost cash every year, and they had a lot of leverage, and they thought they could always borrow money cheap. And those stocks have been hurt dramatically, whether it's a Carvana or something else. I don't want to get into any specifics, but there are many of them. So, you know, the Fed is doing what they were, were a little late. They're learning how to do it, and I would stay, uh, you know, damn, uh, stay the course. And I understand the impact on cap rates on real estate, and I understand that. Uh, but the real estate guys have other issues in markets like New York, but they don't have the same issues. I was just in Dallas. I was just somewhere else. Uh, booming areas, and uh, even with higher cap rates. Yeah, we're going to be getting into that real estate conversation with Kathy Wilde in a little bit. Yes. Mario Gabelli, thank you for coming on. And I, I look forward to having another conversation with you in the near future. And uh, we both came up in, in poor neighborhoods. Oh, stop bragging. <laughs> God, God bless you. And uh, thank you for uh, your input. Legendary investor. Uh, Mario Gabelli and the Fordham uh, Business School is named after him. That's exactly right. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.